This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Welcome to the radio and internet ministry of the Christian Crusaders. A central theme in the Holy Bible is love. St. Paul even states that the greatest of these is love. As human beings, we enjoy our loving relationships with others. But what about our enemies? How in the world can we love them? Let's learn how Jesus answers that question in today's message. Please stay with us. your love life. We're going to take a look today at what Jesus had to say about loving others. We begin in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Almighty God and Father, we approach you in worship with gratitude in our hearts. You are so generous in your love towards us. You gave us a gift of life and the privilege of having a relationship with you. When we needed to be rescued from sin and death, you lovingly gave us Jesus, through whom we received the gift of forgiveness and eternal life. Your great love is above and beyond our wildest imaginations. So thank you, Lord, for loving us. Amen. Today is our last day of our sermon series entitled Distinct, and our last reading is Matthew chapter 5 beginning at verse 43. Jesus said, You have heard that it was said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You, therefore, must be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Here ends our reading. Dear friends, a man was being interviewed by a reporter because he had just reached his 100th birthday. Yes, sir, said the centenarian. I'm 100 years old. I don't have an enemy in the world. That's wonderful, said the reporter. You must be very proud. Yes, said the man. My last enemy died about a year ago. (laughs) Enemies. The likelihood is we'll each have a few of them in our own pilgrimage on earth. Personality conflicts, Clashing of egos, wills, philosophies, or goals can oftentimes put us at odds, sometimes viciously, with other people who become our enemies. So, what are we to do with our enemies is the question for today. As a citizen of God's kingdom, what is to be our attitude towards them? During the time of Jesus... The people back then were being taught a simple statement, love your neighbor 
and hate your enemy. And Jesus took this one on today in our reading. First of all, he took it on because you would be hard-pressed to find a commandment in the Bible that says, love your neighbor but hate your enemy. It's not to be found in the Old Testament. But that's what was being taught. I suppose because it seems like common sense. We're born with an instinct to want to restrict the scope of our love to some in-group, to people who love us, and then be indifferent to or hate anyone outside of that circle who behaves as an enemy and shows hostility towards us. We see this mindset in the question, for instance, that was posed to Jesus by the scribe when he asked him, so who is my neighbor that I am to love as myself? Teacher of the law, you see, wanted to know, where do I draw the line on love? And that's why Jesus told the story called the Good Samaritan. Actually, it was a story of the hated Samaritan. Jews hated Samaritans who loved an enemy, a Jew, in a lavish and generous way. Shocking. And Jesus seems to be saying, not only in that parable, but in this part of the Sermon on the Mount, with my followers, for the citizens of the kingdom of God who have received my grace into their lives, when it comes to love, there is no line to be drawn. You've heard it said, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Listen now, Jesus is not being blind or casual or playing down the hostility of an enemy. He knows that some people really are enemies, and he knows from personal experience how cruel and malicious and vicious enemies can be. They live to persecute you, to bring you down, to make you a little more miserable, make your life a little more difficult as they hold you in contempt. But still, Jesus is pretty clear here. He says, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. What does he mean, first of all, by this word love? I mean, we use the word love in so many different kinds of ways. In our English language, we talk about we love ice cream and we love our wife. Is that the same thing? No. Or we talk about uh, loving the Chicago Cubs these days and we love our children. Is that the same thing? No. There's different words in the New Testament for that word love you should know about. One word is eros, which is kind of a physical attraction type of love. And Jesus doesn't seem to be talking that way. There's philia, which is a friendship type of love, from which we get the word Philadelphia, city of brotherly love. There's storge, which is family affection type of love. But then the word that's used here is agape love, which is sacrificial love. It's when one makes a decision. It's an act of the will to show sacrificial love, to show goodwill towards the person, to help them to be all that they can be. It's not a feeling. It's a decision, a commitment. It was a word that the early Christians adopted to describe God's love for us through his son, Jesus Christ, when he went to the cross and died for our sins. 
And Jesus used it in talking about the love we are to have for one another. By this, all men will know you are my disciples, that you love one another, Jesus said. It's an attitude that says, I will do what is best for the other person, whether I am dealing with a friend or a foe. I will deal with my enemy as if I like them. And I decide to act for their highest good. That's what Jesus is talking about in this case. With this kind of love, you you decide, you act. And miracle of miracles, sometimes as a result, you even start to feel love. One of the best ways, Jesus says, to, to love your enemies is to pray for them. I mean, that's the ultimate act of love, to bring your enemy to the throne of grace and ask God to bless them for God's will to be done in their life and upon their life that they would come to know and follow God like you do. I personally have found that it's difficult to go into the presence of God and pray like this and come out bearing hostility towards a person I don't like. I remember when my son was uh, playing baseball during his uh, early years of life, and he had a coach that I just really considered to be like an enemy. Uh, He was not fair to my kid. You know how we are as parents. And uh, he just seemed to ignore him. And he was not very kind to him as well. And I would seethe inside towards this individual. So I began to pray for him. You know what happened? My attitude towards that coach changed. I began to see him in a more loving way and understand him. You might be wondering, as the disciples of Jesus were wondering as he told them this, why should I love these kind of people when they hate me? And Jesus answers that too. He says, so that you may be sons and daughters of your Father in heaven. You already are sons and daughters of God through Jesus Christ, through faith in him. But when you love like this, Jesus is saying, you're being a chip off the old block, the spitting image of your heavenly Father. Last uh, September, I made a trip home back to Montana, and I was given the invitation to preach at my old home congregation. Hadn't been there for many years. And a a number of people came up to me afterwards who hadn't seen me for many, many years and said, you look just like your dad. You even laugh like him. There was once a father, I heard this story, that had to go away from his young family for three or four days on a business trip. And Anxious that his wife should be properly looked after in his absence, he had a word with the oldest son, who was nine years old at the time. When I'm away, he said, I want you to think what I would normally do around the house, and you do it for me. He had in mind, of course, clearing up the kitchen and washing dishes and putting out the garbage and similar tasks. On his return, he asked his wife what the son had done. Well, she said, it was very strange. Straight after breakfast, he made himself another cup of coffee, went into the living room, put on some loud music, and read the newspaper for half an hour. The father was left wondering whether his son had obeyed him a bit too accurately. 
Jesus is saying to us, we're talking about a heavenly father. With that kind of love, Jesus says, you bear a family resemblance to your heavenly father. Like parent, like child, it's part of the family. It brings your heavenly father glory in a world that's filled with so much hatred and vengeance. You stand out and shine in a mysterious way and cause people to scratch their heads and wonder, how can he do this and why? So Jesus is saying, so be like your father. And then he goes on to describe how his father in heaven hands out his love and compares it with how the world hands it out. He says, notice God's love and grace is without favoritism. He shows it to friend and enemy. He causes his rain to fall on the just and the unjust, his sun to shine on the evil and the good. His goodness comes to those who love him and on those who are his enemies indiscriminately. And that's God's essential being. He's a God of indiscriminate, unconditional love who is very generous in his love. And then Jesus describes the world's love. He says, look at those whom you consider to be the lowlifes of society. They love those who love them and greet those who are like them and greet them. In other words, give them verbal blessings. Even they can do that. Everybody can do that. It's self-serving. Self-interest is involved in that. But my followers, kingdom of God citizens, listen, you're different. You're distinct. Your ways are to be above the norm. Their ceiling, their love ceiling is your floor. You, you do more than just loving those who love you. You start where they stop. You love the unlovable. And then Jesus says, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. That has stumped so many Christians over the years since Jesus said those words. What, what does he mean here? No one can be sinlessly perfect, we reason. And why well, he did not mean that. We know from the next chapter that he teaches the disciples to be asking for forgiveness for the rest of their lives when he taught them the Lord's Prayer. The word used for perfect here is related to maturity and growth, goals and targets, function for what you're called uh, to do. It's like when you describe a good baseball player as the perfect player for that team. We don't mean that this individual never strikes out or drops a ball. What we're saying is that he's well-rounded and knows the game well, and he functions well as part of the team, doing his job. Christ's dream for us is that as his followers, we would grow up into full stature as a woman or man of God and reach the high goal of a richer, deeper sharing in the life of our Heavenly Father, showing us in Jesus as love. By the way, one can't help but notice Jesus did this kind of loving in his ministry for the kingdom of God, loving all kinds of people, friend and foe alike, just like his father. 
which makes his statement to Philip in John's gospel, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, all the more understandable for us. He displays for us the character of our Heavenly Father. I mean, observe how he treated his enemies in opposition. He treated them with love. See him praying for the people of Jerusalem before he went to the cross when he's up on Mount of Olives. He knows what's coming and he's praying for them. Notice how he prays for the welfare of his executioners and taunters as he hung dying on the cross for the sins of the world. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. See that while we were still enemies, as Paul says, he died for us, that we might be reconciled to God. Sacrificial love that went all the way to the cross. Now you might be thinking, this sounds a little bit impossible. And you're right. On one level, it is on your own. But Christ's teaching is not just good advice. It's good news. As I said, Jesus did all these things himself at the cross, and he opened up the new way of being human so that all who have faith in him and follow him can discover it in their own lives. I really appreciate these helpful words from biblical scholar and theologian N.T. Wright. Listen to these words. The Sermon on the Mount isn't just about us, he says. If it was, we might admire it as a fine bit of idealism, but then we'd return to our normal lives. It's about Jesus himself. This was the blueprint for his own life. He asks nothing of his followers that he hasn't faced himself. In his life, we can already sense a theme that will grow larger and larger. If this is the way to show what God is really like, and if this is the pattern that Jesus himself followed, Matthew is inviting us to draw the conclusion that in Jesus we see Emmanuel, God with us in person. And the Sermon on the Mount isn't just about how we are to behave. It's about discovering the living God in the loving and dying Jesus and learning to reflect that love ourselves to a world that needs it so desperately. So when you think, I can't love like that on my own power, you're absolutely right. But in a living relationship with Jesus Christ, you can move in that direction. As you place your trust in what he's done for you on the cross and the empty tomb, paid for your sins, so that you might have a new, eternal kind of life with God. As you surrender yourself to his leadership in your life, living with him in the gospel, studying and doing his word, following him, his spirit works in you, helping you to grow in your ability to love generously and unconditionally. You see, his plan for the rest of your life with him, his dream for you is to work in you and shape you and mold you into a person who loves others like he did, all the way to heaven. I came across a wonderful story by a writer, Max Lucado. He tells about a friend of his named Daniel who was swindled by his brother, his own brother. He vowed that if you saw him again, he'd break his neck. A few months later, Daniel became a Christian, but even so, he couldn't forgive his brother. He hated him. One day, the inevitable encounter took place on a busy street, and this is how Daniel described what happened. I saw him, 
Daniel says, but he didn't see me. I felt my fists clench and my face get hot. My initial impulse was to grab him around the throat and choke the life out of him. But as I looked into his face, my anger began to melt. As I saw him, I saw the image of my father. I saw my father's eyes. I saw my father's look. I saw my father's expression. And as I saw my father in his face, my enemy once again became my brother. And that brother found himself wrapped in those big arms of Daniel's, but it was a hug. The two stood in the middle of the river of people and wept. Daniel's words bear repeating. When I saw the image of my father in his face, my enemy became my brother. That's what Jesus is talking about to us today. If you want to be more loving in your relationships with friends or difficult people, you can. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, change is possible for the citizens of the kingdom of God. It's there for the asking, like the hymn says. Breathe on me, breath of God. Fill me with life anew, that I may love what thou dost love, and do what thou wouldst do. And he will. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, this is a tall order that Jesus has placed before us this day to love even our personal enemies. We want to obey this call to generous and indiscriminate love, but we recognize we cannot do this on our own. Breathe your loving spirit into us and make us more loving towards others that we may grow in our ability to love like Jesus and bring you glory and honor the rest of our days. Amen. Now, as you go on your way, may Christ go with you. May he go before you to show you the way, behind you to encourage you, beside you to befriend you, above you to watch over, and within you to give you his peace. Amen. You have been worshiping with the radio and internet ministry of the Christian Crusaders. We pray today's message has encouraged you to surrender yourself to the Holy Spirit, who can help you grow your ability to love generously and unconditionally. Christian Crusaders is a nonprofit ministry supported entirely by the gifts of our listening audience. Estate gifts, large and small, have become a significant part of our ministry. Please consider a final gift to your favorite ministries as a part of your estate planning. We thank each of you for your gifts and prayers. We invite you to visit us on the Internet. Be sure to share Christian Crusaders with a friend, relative, or neighbor. By making more people aware of this ministry, we can share the word and spread the light of the gospel so no one walks in darkness. Our Internet address is www.christiancrusaders.org. Christian Crusaders is a nonprofit, listener supported ministry that seeks to serve listeners of the airwaves with the pure, unadulterated Word of God. Salvation by grace through faith. Feel free to contact us at 1 888 693 2484. Our mailing address is Post Office Box 522, Cedar Falls, Iowa 50613. We are happy you chose to worship with us, and we pray you will join us again next week on this station. Conducting our service today was the Rev. Steve Kramer. 
Senior Pastor of Shepherd of the Valley Lutheran Church in Afton, Minnesota, and speaker on Christian Crusaders, on air and online now in its 81st year of continuous Sunday worship broadcasting. <music> 